Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be breaking down the 2024 Mexico Open at Vedanta Vallarta. This is one of the, I think, core events on the PGA Tour calendar. It's one of the more unique venues, um, and it's coming at a time on the calendar with the PGA Tour this year that I think is a little bit better suited for it. I am very much looking forward to watching this event this weekend. I have fond memories of this event because last year I had a really good DFS week here at the Mexico Open because basically I just jammed John Rahm and Tony Finau into lineups and kind of just made it work from there, and I ended up on a lot of Akshay Batia and a lot of Cameron Champ and some of these other guys. So um, hopefully um, I can repeat the success, you know, in DFS here this year. But, you know, we do not have John Rahm to count on. It is just Tony Finau and a bunch of other guys. So here in this episode, we're going to break down the course for Dante Vallarta and what you need to be looking for and what kind of skill sets are going to succeed here at this course. And then we're going to take a look at the board and tell you who needs to be in your DraftKings lineups, betting cards, as well as your one-and-done strategy for the week. Um, so pretty much whatever your game is, whether you are betting, whether you're playing DFS, whether you're playing one-and-done, or whether you're playing player props, we have got you covered here on this preview. And hopefully we're going to give you guys a lot of good information to help you pick some winners here this week. Now, while you're here, if you like what we do here on the channel, if you've been here before, please hit the like button for me. Um, I really, It really does help me a lot, and I really do appreciate it. If you're listening, on audio, please rate and review. I promise those don't fall on deaf ears and they really do help out. Um, and if you're new to the channel, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you can be with us for the rest of the PGA Tour season going all the way up through the Tour Championship. All right, so enough with the introduction. Let's go ahead and dive into um, what makes Vedanta Vallarta a really cool venue. <music> So the Mexico Open is an event that is one of the more unique events on the PGA Tour calendar at one of the more unique courses that's on the PGA Tour calendar. Basically, the Mexico Open has been going on for decades, but hasn't been an officially PGA Tour sanctioned event until two years ago, um, where the first iteration was played in 2022, and all iterations of this event have been played at Vedanta Vallarta. So while we only have two years of this event to go off of in terms of course history. We do have two years of this event to go off of for course history. To me, it's kind of enough to know what is going to play well here and what you can expect. Vedanta Vallarta is near Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. It is like in the west coast of Mexico, I believe. It is in like resort country, just absolutely beautiful terrain there. And Vedanta Vallarta is a par 71. It is over 7,400 yards, and it is a Greg Norman design. Yes, over 7,400 yards for a par 71 is quite a lot, and it's actually a unique par 71. It has five par threes and four par fives. So you would think that even with the additional par three, that would bring the distance down, but no, this is this is a legitimately long course. And it even has a drivable par four. Hole number seven is a hole that guys are gonna be looking to birdie this week because it's only about 290 yards long. So basically, if you've got five par threes and a drivable par four and your course is still coming out to over 7,400 yards, you have got to have some really long holes in there. And that's basically what happened. Um, basically, this course, when it was designed, it was going to host a PGA Tour event. You know, they said, how can we prevent this from being like a absolute like birdie fest at like 30 under? And they said, well, we can move the tee boxes back. And it kind of worked. The winning scores have been minus 19 and minus 24 in two years. So there's still a lot of birdies, even with the increased distance. But what the increased distance has done is it has made a lot of par fours that are very long. There's a lot of par fours on the scorecard that are from 450 to 500 yards, and even a few that are above 500 yards as well. So basically, they're going to require a lot. Lot of long approach shots. So to me, long iron play is going to be the defining skill that you're going to have to have this week to play well and to win this tournament. However, it can be pretty tough to discern who good long iron players actually are. And so one thing I think you can look at is you can look at some kind of like um, peripheral stats to figure out who's good at long iron play, right? So guys who are good with their long irons typically drive the ball 
quite a long distance. They typically have really good ball speed and really good apex height because to hit a long iron, if you've played a lot of golf, you, you probably understand this, but to be able to hit a long iron and be good at it, you have to be able to get it up in the air and have it come down and stop instead of just hitting this low liner that's just going to run out forever. So guys who are able to do that tend to have high ball speed, um, high driving distance, high apex height, because those are all skills that are going to translate into getting compression on that ball and getting it up in the air and getting it to sit on the green. So in general, though, those are skills that are going to play well here anyway, because driving distance does not hurt here at all. This is a course where guys are going to be swinging driver pretty much every single par four and par five, because not only is it very long, but this is also a resort course. So this is a course that's designed around, you know, people playing on vacation, people having fun, people enjoying golf. And so you end up with fairways that are very wide. They're the fifth widest on the PGA Tour, and the rough here is not very penal. So there is no reason for guys to keep driver in the bag and, you know, to lay up. So what's going to happen is with long holes, guys are going to be hitting driver into it, and they're still going to have long approaches. Now, if you're looking at props on, like, underdog and prize picks, driving accuracy last Last year was at about 63%. Um, and so pretty much on, you know, where you're going to get 13 fairways like you can possibly hit. If you're getting numbers that are like less than eight, then those are some really juicy odds in my opinion, especially for the morning wave. More on that in a second. The green regulation percentage is about 66%. So again, um, with this course being long approaches, the greens themselves are pretty big. So guys are still hitting a lot of greens and they're still getting a lot of birdie opportunities. So if you're getting like props that are about 12, that would be about average for this course. Now the greens themselves are past pollen, which is a unique strand of grass. Look, I'm not an agronomy expert, but I know a little bit and past pollen is designed to be in a tropical climate so that way it can stay um, pretty much effective all year long and is very common in tropical courses like Corrales Golf Club um, in the Dominican Republic, Cocoa Beach and Grand Reserve in Puerto Rico, and El Cardinal also in Mexico. Um, and is also used at Kiowa Island, home of the 2021 PGA Championship. Past pollen tends to be a very soft surface and tends to be a very slow surface. What this does is this tends to elevate bad putters because, again, if you played a lot of golf you know that if you're putting on a slow green and you mess up just a little bit there's going to be less break and there's going to be like a lot more margin for error so your little mistake is going to turn into a tap in as opposed to on fast greens your little mistake could run 15 feet by the hole so it definitely tends to elevate bad putters just because mistakes are not enlarged by the greens now there's also a knack to putting on it so guys who have a good history of putting on past pollen are going to tend to continue to putt well on past pollen greens now, in the two-year sample size, you know, it's worth noting that this course has only been around for two years, but it has been pretty predictive for those two years. There's not enough of a sample to like really rank it in terms of some of the more predictive courses on the PGA Tour, but you do tend to see a lot of guys who are playing well here year in and year out. And to me, the best example would be, um, you know, John Rahm and Tony Finau came here both years and they finished first and second both years. You know, John Rahm won the inaugural one in 2022. Tony Finau won last year. And pretty much what you look at when you look at the rest of the list is you see a lot of guys who are good with long irons, who are long off the tee, and who can be hot or cold putters but have a knack for putting on past pollen. So for instance, if you look at last year's leaderboard, right, Tony Finau won at minus 24. He had three-shot lead over John Rahm by the end of it. And then third place and fourth place are Brandon Wu and Akshay Batia, who fit the bill for what I said pretty much exactly where these guys are good long iron players who are really good putters on past pollen. Was really disappointed not, not seeing 
see Akshay Bati in the field this week because I was really looking forward to playing him in DFS. And then the rest of the top 10, pretty much you see a lot of guys who for the week gained a lot of strokes on approach were just okay off the tee, um, and then were able to gain strokes on the pass palm greens. What you see when you look at the leaderboard is that approach was by far the most important stat that you can have. And being able to hit your long irons and hit them well this week is going to be what you're going to need to do if you want to play well here at um, Vedanta Vallarta. Now, looking at course history here, we only have two years to go off of. But if you just look at the best players in this field in the two years here, you know, Tony Finau, we already mentioned first and second. Brandon Wu finished second and third. Davis Riley was fifth two years ago. Cameron Champ has been in the top 10 both years. Ben Taylor eighth last year. Patrick Rogers top 10 both years. Harry Hall and Alejandro Tosti with the top 10 as well. Those are the only guys in the field um, who have been in the top 10 consistently. Grillo has a fifth and a 33rd. Joseph Bramlett has a 10th and a missed cut. David Lipsky has a sixth and a 60th. And Alex Smalley has a sixth and a missed cut. So those are pretty much everybody in the field who owns a top 10 here at this event. And honestly, if we're talking about like comp courses and, and what plays well here, just look at Tony Finau and John Rahm, like, right? Like if you think about both of them as golfers, they're both really good drivers of the golf ball who hit the ball quite a long way. And they're both really good long iron players. And to me, you can kind of build a resume around the fact that those two guys played so well here that that is going to be the skill set that plays well here year in and year out. And so as we go to our key stats for the week, which we've been doing every week this season, if you are building a model on a website, um, these are going to be the stats you're going to want to put in. These are going to be what you want to prioritize. The key stats for me this week is I want to prioritize strokes gain off the tee or driving distance. I want guys that are going to be able to hit their driver and be in position to be in position. What I mean by that is like just hit a good drive, give yourself an opportunity to hit a mid to long iron into the green. I want to look at ball speed as well because I think that's a pretty correlated stat. I also want to look heavily at strokes gained approach, specifically from the 175 plus um, yardages because 175 to 200 and 200 plus is going to show up quite a lot here. And then I want to look at birdie or better percentage just because I know that you are going to have to make a lot of birdies this week. Um, and then I do want to look at strokes gain putting on past pollen greens. And I do want guys who have either course history here or comp course history because I think that having success at this, this type of golf course is going to be important. And what do I mean when I say this type of golf course? Well, I'm talking about reserve golf courses. I'm not, not reserve golf courses. Resort golf courses. I'm talking about long golf courses. I'm talking about golf courses where you're going to hit a lot of long irons. And so so those comp courses, you have the three resort courses, El Cardinal, um, home of the Worldwide Technologies Championship last year, Corrales Golf Club, home of the Corrales Punta Cana Championship, Grand Reserve, home of the Puerto Rico Open. Worth noting, Tony Finau won the Puerto Rico Open, um, his like the first win that he had on the PGA Tour, um, and then he has also won this event. I think that's definitely notable. And then you also have two courses that stateside feature long distances with a lot of long irons and large greens, and that would be Torrey Pines, which you've also seen John Rahm and Tony Fina have a lot of success at, as well as TPC Craig Ranch, which is a little bit of crossover success, but more so just the features of it. I do think they really do coincide. Last thing before we get started with something else that's going to be a little bit different. Um, I do want to mention that if you were playing Showdown DFS this week, targeting the morning wave is going to be crucial because this is a um, resort course, meaning it's right by the ocean um, because the resort is right by the ocean. And so winds tend to pick up at Oceanside courses around noon. And so last year, the first two rounds, you saw a massive gap between the morning wave 
wave and the afternoon wave. So if you are playing showdown DFS, you want to play guys who are going to play in the morning before the winds pick up in the afternoon. Those are going to be much better scoring positions that guys can take advantage of. All right, so let's take a quick breather and then I'm going to talk about a new way to build a custom model. So recently, I decided to try out a new golf data site called The Rabbit Hole, which is on betspurtsgolf.com. Um, it's a little bit of a newer um, data site. It hasn't been around as long as places like Fancy National or Rick Run Good. But what I really like so far in the short time that I've used The Rabbit Hole is you can filter by conditions. You can do um, all kinds of like just kind of changing the data up and, and filtering and only seeing the data you want to see. And they just have so many stuff that you can filter by. I really think it allows you to build a really good picture of the skill set that you're going to need at a golf course. And I also think that it allows you to create a really precise model for an individual golf course. So um, I just want to share some of what I have done so far here on the rabbit hole and then kind of how I put it all together in just a preliminary custom model on Monday. Because I'll be honest, last Wednesday, I was clicking, filtering, doing all kinds of stuff and just kind of whittle down my model. And the guy that ended up you know, popping up really well last week for me was Will Zalatoris. So, um, you know, I'm not saying that it's, I'm going to get this right every single time, but um, I do think that I know enough to create something that's a little bit dangerous on here. So the first thing that I did was I wanted to look at just resort courses over the last two years. And, and who are the guys who have been good at resort courses? Because last time I checked, this is a resort course. So the top 10 at resort courses have been Tony Finau, Alex Smalley, Thomas Dietrich, Patrick Rogers, Nate Lashley, Brandon Wu, Grayson Sig, Mackenzie Hughes, and Nikolai and then JJ Spawn rounding out the top 10. After that, I wanted to kind of go from T to green um, and kind of build, you know, out the skill set that I want to see, right? So I wanted to see who gains off the who gains strokes off the tee where courses are driver heavy and there is very little missed fairway penalty. And so the guys that popped out the best on that were Cameron Champ, Garrick Higo, Davis Thompson, Patrick Rogers, Tony Finau, Joseph Bramlett, Chris Goderup, S.H. Kim, Keith Mitchell, and Raul Pareda. Um, one thing to be aware this week, there are a lot of Corn Ferry Tour guys as well as international guys in the field that don't have a lot of data and are going to pop up on some of these models um I mean, you can play them if you want to play them in DFS, but like they're they're not names I know a whole lot about, if I'm being honest. That would be one of them, Pareda. Also, when it comes to this week, pretty much every time Tony Finau pops up in the top 10, I think that's a pretty good sign because of his history here and the fact that he is unequivocally the best golfer in the field. Now, also... Let's look at approach shots from 175 yards to 200 yards from the fairway. Um, and the, the top guys there, you've got a lot of Corn Ferry Tour guys. McCormick, Doherty, Highsmith, Teeter, Atkins, Meissner, Campos, Safa, and then the first like real big high salary guy is Taylor Pendrith, and then Ryohi Satsune rank high in that category. And then from 200 plus, if you back it up just a little bit, we got more Corn Ferry Tour guys. The first that you pops up on like the PGA Tour guys, you got Ryohi Satsune, and then Thor Bjorn Olison. So um, that was a little bit interesting to see that so many of those Corn Ferry Tour guys had good approach stats. Um, lastly, how about strokes gain approach at long golf courses? Um, so the guys that popped out the best there. Mark Hubbard, Tony Finau, David Lipsky, Scott Gacheski, Nate Lashley, Chesson Hadley, Stephen Yeager, Robbie Shelton, Chris Goderup, and Victor Perez. And then after that, how about let's just look at pure pass palum putting. Who are, the, who are the best putters on pass palum? And that would be Davis Riley, Brandon Wu, which is not shocking considering his history here, Ben Taylor, Cameron Champ, Patrick Rogers, Francesco Molinari, Aaron Baddeley, Emiliano Grillo, Nate Lashley, and Harry Hall. Um, after that, I did want to look at just um, long courses, 
and where you're going to be swinging a driver a lot, who gets a lot of birdies, high birdie or better percentage. And that came out to be Omar Morales, a guy I know very little about. And then Steven Yeager, Vincent Norman, Joseph Bramlett, Austin Eckrow, Tony Finau again, Raul Pereira again, Parker Cootie, Kevin Chappell, and Cameron Champ rounding out that top 10. And so when you combine all those stats into a custom model, what I got from my model, this should be no surprise, the num my number one golfer was Tony Finau, and rounded out the top five, Patrick Rogers, Cameron Champ, Brandon Wu, Davis, Riley for my top five, Steven Yeager, Nate Lashley, Joseph Bramlett, Alex Smalley, and Austin Eckrow rounding out the top 10. So one thing that I'm gonna do is I'm gonna keep tinkering with this as the week goes on, because um, I do think that this allows you to really get in the weeds and really build out a profile that's going to be really good for a golf course, right? Um, and so I'm also going to be posting the model top 10 that I come out with to my Patreon, which reminds me, if you do want more information from me, there are a few places you can get it. Follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. Um, join the Fantasy Corner Discord. Link is in the description on audio as well as on YouTube. Basically, the Fantasy Corner Discord is a lot of people talking DFS for a lot of different sports. The college basketball chat has been popping, had a lot of success recently. The NBA chat has been popping, had a lot of success recently. And the golf chat has had some winners as well. So um, that's definitely and great place to talk about plays, talk about lineups. Uh, so check that out if you want people to talk DFS with. But what I was getting to was I read an article on my Patreon for every single golf tournament where I profile my core plays in DFS as well as my lineup strategy and attack strategy for each course as well as each DFS slate. So if you want to know who actually ends up in the top 10 of my model when I refine it and tweak it, the place you can get that is the Patreon. All right, now let's take a little bit of a break and then let's talk about who we need to be targeting in DFS specifically this week. All right, so the first thing that stands out to me this week when you look at DraftKings is they really switched up their pricing. Um, you know, they start with Tony Fino at $12,000, which is pretty high, but I don't think unreasonable. Like I expected it to be around 11K. But what they did was they went all the way down to 5000 as the minimum salary, which is very interesting to me. Um, basically to me it gives you a lot of flexibility to play a lot of guys at the bottom and it doesn't surprise me that this week is a week that they're trying it out at because truly a lot of the guys that would be like in the mid-range this week are guys who would be in the 6k range in normal weeks so um very interesting that they're trying it out and i'm definitely interested to see how it goes i definitely think that you can jam some guys in at the top of your lineup this week because there's plenty of options down near the bottom um, to kind of backfill it with some value so um you know last year i mentioned that you know pretty much i just jammed in ramen finau and then figured the rest out from there well you know this year is it worth jamming in finau and then somebody else well i really like tony finau this week i think there's people that are going to be off of him because of um how bad the putting has been lately he has been truly terrible on the greens but this is not abnormal for tony finau to me this is like the perfect course setup for him right like it's easy off the tee and he's going to be good off the tee he's going to be good on his approach with his long irons and he's going to be able to win this tournament like i I just think that if there's ever a week where a prohibitive favorite wins, I think it's this week. I think he's significantly better than everybody else in the field. I mean, just look back to what he did at the Farmers. He gained over two strokes per round on approach and almost gave one of it back putting and still finished in sixth place. And you look at what he did here in the previous two years, he actually lost half a stroke per round putting in the year he came in T2. So he doesn't have to be entirely locked in to have a top finish at this tournament because the rest of the course is suited so well to his skill set. I really do like Tony Finau this week. <laughs> 
Now, in terms of who can we pair Tony Finau with, there's some interesting options at the top of the board. Grillo has a really wide range of outcomes to me. Like he generally plays these resort courses pretty well, but I also don't think of him as like a super long hitter off the tee or a guy who's really good at long approach shots. But the comp course history and, and this course history is, is pretty solid that he does have that going for him. I really like Nikolai Hoygaard though. And the reason why I think like Finau, he profiles very well for this course. You know, he was the runner up at the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines, which was one of our comp courses because he had a long iron in his hand quite a lot. And he was, um, you know, swinging driver off the tee a lot. And he's a really good driver of the golf ball. He's one of the longest drivers of golf ball on tour, actually. So um, I think that, that set up really well for him. He's also a very traveled golfer for, for being so young. Like he's played in a lot of different environments, a lot of different styles of course. And so I don't think he's going to be intimidated by rolling into a course like this. And last year he did play this event. He came in 33rd place, but that doesn't tell the full story. He lost almost a full stroke per round around the green and putting um, and was, you know, gaining above a stroke per round on approach and off the tee. So um, I really do think if he can just figure out the chipping and putting, which he seems to have done stateside, um, he can be a really good fit for this event. And I really do like Nikolai Hoygaard this week. He would probably be my preferred second guy in on a female lineup if you're looking to really jam in some guys at the top. Now, after that, Thorbjorn Olsson's kind of a wild card. He's been great on the DP World Tour, but hasn't done a whole lot on the PGA Tour. Is not a super long hitter. The golf ball is not what I think of as a super elite long iron player. So I would put him in Grillo in kind of the same category. Um, another guy that I do like this week, though, but I'm also a little concerned about is Thomas Dietrich. So Dietrich has a great history at resort courses. Dietrich has no history at this event, though. Um, but last year, he played at Corrales Punta Cana, came in eighth place. He also has numerous good finishes at the other resort courses on the PGA Tour, right? But what concerns me, though, is he's a little dependent on the putter lately. Um, three, straight three straight tournaments, excuse me, he's gained strokes with the putter, but he's lost strokes around the green and on approach. That is not what we want to see. We want to see him be a better approach player than where he currently ranks. However, that T20 that he had at the Farmers, I think that is a little misleading. He was actually contending on Saturday afternoon and spun an approach shot right off the green and into a water hazard. And so I do think that contributed a little bit to his approach number and to his overall finish. And so I do think Dietrich is a pretty solid play this week. And I don't think people are going to exactly go to him because the recent finishes have just been okay, but not great. Keith Mitchell, to me, has a really interesting profile. He is who I think of as being a very good course fit at this event, given that he is really good off the tee. He is generally a really good long iron player. His recent form is kind of all over the place. Like, he's kind of been a very average golfer recently. Like, in terms of where his strokes gain breaks down, like, he, he's close to neutral in pretty much every tournament he plays lately. Um, and he has no history at this event. It doesn't have a whole lot of history at resort courses. But just thinking of his skill set, I think his skill set should work. And, you know, this is the type of course where he can really separate himself with his driver and his long iron play. Now, also in the 9K range, um, I think Steven Yeager is worth a look. Um, I think he profiles really well for the course as a good long iron player. Came in third at the Farmers as well, was in contention for that one all four rounds. So I don't mind Steven Yeager at all. Um, but a guy that I really like in the 9K range is going to be Taylor Pendrith. So Taylor Pendrith is a guy who is a good driver of the golf ball. 
Um, finished in ninth place at the Farmers at Torrey Pines, one of my comp courses, because he's a pretty good long iron player, right? He also came in 15th place at the Worldwide Technology Championship at El Cardinal, which was another one of my comp courses. So it courses where he's getting to swing a driver without a whole lot of penalty and where he's getting to swing long irons on his second shot, he's pretty good. Um, he also has two made cuts at Corrales, um, as well as a 30th place finish here last year. I think Taylor Pendrith makes a lot of sense this week. Now, the bottom of the 9K range is filled with guys who like really pop on certain aspects of the model. Like Eric Van Ruyen has a win at one of the comp courses, El Cardinal. Mackenzie Hughes popped on numerous aspects of the model. Ryan Fox is just an absolute bomber off the tee. And Rio Hisatsune was one of the best long approach iron, long approach players in the field. Stumbled over my words a little bit there. Brandon Wu is also a great pass pollen player. He popped out as one of the best putters on pass pollen and has a second and a third at this event. So the bottom half of that 9K range, there's a lot to like, but I also think there's a lot to like in the upper 8K range, specifically with Davis Thompson. Davis Thompson is another guy kind of like Taylor Pendrith, where if he's getting to just wail away with driver uh, on every hole, he's going to be pretty good because you know he's that's what he likes to do. And when the driver doesn't get penalized, that puts him in an even better position. Now, he's also been really good on approach and in three straight tournaments. He's gained over half a stroke per round in three straight tournaments at the American Express, at the Farmers, and at the Waste Management. Um, so we do really like to see that trend. He also came in 15th place at the Worldwide Technologies Championship last year at El Cardinal, which is one of our comp courses. So there's a lot to like this week about Davis Thompson. And I think he is one of the best plays at the bottom of the 8K range. I think it's entirely possible too, if you're playing Finau up top and you don't want to be super aggressive, like I advised earlier, you can go straight Straight, you know, from Finau to somebody like Davis Thompson um, at the upper 8K range. I think that's pretty solid. Doug Gim has an interesting profile. He is generally a pretty good approach player, generally a terrible putter, but recently um, his approach play has continued and his putter has picked up. So if he can marry both of those skills together, it could be a really solid week for Doug Gim. Cameron Champ has two top 10s at this event, and that makes him pretty interesting. Now, if you look at his recent form, it's like non-existent. But if you look at what he did the last two years, his recent form heading into this tournament was like non-existent. So um, he has shown the ability to just come to this event, show up and in top 10, no matter what he's playing like heading into the event. So I'm kind of buying Cameron Champ this week. He's not one of my favorite plays in the 8K range, but he is a guy who will definitely make some of my lineups. One of my favorite plays in the 8K range though is Jake Knapp. So he is a guy who just recently got promoted from the Corn Ferry Tour and he has no history at this event or any of my comp courses, but I think that his statistical profile is just great for this course. And here's what I mean by that. He's a great driver of the golf ball, generally one of the longer hitters on tour already, and he just got there. And then when it comes to approaches, he is good with his long approach shots at the Farmers. He gained um, a stroke and a quarter per round en route to a T3 finish. At Waste Management, he gained about 0.8 strokes per round um, en route to a T28 finish. So there's just a lot to like about Jake Knapp, and, and those fields that he came in third and 28th in, those were no slouch fields. Like Both of those were a lot better than this field. So I really do think Jake Knapp has a ton of upside, and he's going Going to be one of my favorite plays in the 8k range all right now let's take a quick little breather and then let's take a look and see if we can find some values so what's interesting is i think in the lower 8k range to the upper 7k range you have a lot of guys who are very talented very bright futures um and 
could end up like we could look back like six months from now and like why was that guy 8300 at the mexico open and so justin Suh, michael kim maverick mcneely um alejandro toasty and vincent norman i think all fit that description and you know i'm a big proponent of betting on talent and i think all those guys are actually good but the guy that i think is the best out of all of them or going to be the best out of all of them is austin ekro i think he's the best course fit out of all of them as well so, Ekro is a guy who is generally pretty good at long approach shots. Um, he came in 23rd last year at the Worldwide Technologies, which is one of my comp courses. Um, he also came in 5th at the Corrales Punta Cana Championship last year, which is another one of my comp courses. So, definitely a lot to like about what he's done at the comp courses. He's also generally a pretty good long approach player, and I've kind of been on Ekro a few weeks now, and I'm going to kind of keep writing it. You know, he did disappoint a little bit at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, but that was pretty much all with the putter and one bad approach shot, and so I'm willing to forgive him and the fact that his game was really firing on all cylinders before that tournament. Now, after Ekro, um, to me, the 7K range does not have like as many guys as I would have thought that I liked, um, but there's one guy in the 7K range who is definitely going to be my guy. Um, before we get there, though, Alex Smalley and Matt Wallace, both good at resort courses, as is Carson Young. I think all of them are a little bit interesting. Grayson Sig, also good long approach player, good on resort courses, but my guy in the 7K range is going to be Nate Lashley. So Nate Lashley, was third at the Farmers, and we've already talked about how much that event correlates, especially on approach where, you know, guys have long irons in their hands a ton, which they're going to have this week. And oh yeah, he was also T10 at the Worldwide Technology Championship last year, um, another one of my comp courses, T3 in Puerto Rico last year, so we know he can put on past Palom Greens. And at this event, he played it in 2022, was 11th, 2023 was 39th, but his history on past Palom Greens is incredible. At Corrales, he owns a fourth, a 15th, um, and then at the Worldwide Technologies, he has a 10th. And then at this course, he has an 11th. So just really good history on past Palom Greens for Nate Lashley. Really good long iron player. I think he's going to be my guy in the 7K range. Another one of my guys in the 7K range, though, is going to be Samuel Stevens. He's in the lower 7K range. Um, so I think he's got a few really interesting course comps that um, he um, has going for him. Um, first off, the Valero Texas Open last year, he came in second. And like that might not sound like a course comp because, you know, it's in the middle of San Antonio and this is in Mexico. Um, but it's also a Greg Norman design. It's also a really long golf course where there's a lot of long irons in play. And he gained over two strokes on approach per round in that tournament. So um, he definitely has the ability to gain with his long irons. And oh, by the way, last year at Corrales, a past Palom course where there's a lot of long irons, T3 for um, Samuel Stevens. So Samuel Stevens, definitely um, a lot to like, in my opinion. One of my favorite plays in the lower 7K range. Another guy that's interesting that we have to talk about is Andrew Novak. So Andrew Novak was in the final pairing at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, um, really was firing on all cylinders, and then just Sunday just couldn't quite put it all together. Um, but I think there's still a lot to like. I think that's a sign that his game is trending in the right direction, even though he had three straight missed cuts before that, one of which was at one of my comp courses, which I don't like. But he was ninth at the Valero. That's another Greg Norman design. Um, and then his history at resort courses is pretty solid. Um, you know, he's never missed a cut in any of the Mexico um, courses or at Corrales, which is a really good sign. Um, and last year, he played this tournament, finished 49th, which is okay. The year before that, he was 15th at this tournament, though. Gained strokes on approach in both of those tournaments, lost strokes putting in both those tournaments. So maybe he's finally figured out putting on past Palom Greens, and maybe he can put it all together for a really good finish this year. Now, as we get down into the 6K range, a guy that I do want to highlight is Joseph Bramlett. So to me, he is kind of like in the same category of like Jake Knapp, Cameron Champ, you know, these long hitters off the tee who are good with their long irons. 
and should be able to put together a good finish this week. Um, you know, you look at the farmers, a, a comp course, you know, he finished T25. Um, you know, other long golf courses like um, the Memorial, T16. Um, Byron Nelson, one of my comp courses, TPC Craig Ranch, T19. Last year at this event, T10. So to me, Joseph Bramwell just has a lot of what we want this week. Uh, and so he's going to be a guy that I go out of my way to target in the 6K range. And I think he's a really, really solid DFS play. Now, you know, the 6K range is a little bit bigger this week. You know, we talked about that adjusted pricing, you know, because it's kind of like the 6K range is the new 7K range. It's really weird. Um, Davis Riley is sitting here at 6,500, and he does have a top five at this event. Um, interestingly enough, Cristobal Del Salar is the guy that like set Twitter on fire a week ago, or maybe it was two weeks ago, where he shot like a 57 at a Corn Ferry Tour event. Ironically, he didn't end up winning that event, but he did manage to qualify for this one. Um, Rafael Campos is a guy who has played really well at um, tropical Caribbean type courses, so he would be a guy that uh, might be a little off the radar that I would consider. Um, but a lot of the 6K range is a lot of guys that I'm not really super duper excited about. Chad Ramey, I do like. He's won the Corrales Prune Decana Championship at Corrales. Um, and then he also is generally a pretty good long approach player as well. So Chad Ramey is a guy that I would definitely consider sitting there at 6,800. Norman Zhang, a.k.a. the Panda, um, is a really long driver of the golf ball. Has the capability of getting really hot and making a lot of birdies. Also has the capability of just bogeying four holes in a row and missing a cut. So um, probably not... Um, a super reliable play, but definitely a guy that has some upside. And then Callum Terran is a guy that I would consider having some upside as well. Um, you know, he's the guy that I played in showdown a ton last season because he has the capability of just getting really hot for a round. And, you know, he also has the capability of getting really not for a round. Um, you know, kind of like you look at what he did at Waste Management Phoenix, like, you know, 76, 69, like that's just what he does, right? Like he has the capability of having these really good rounds. And if he strings two of them together, he can be in really good shape. However, he has missed six cuts in a row. Um, that's not exactly promising, but I mean, he's a guy that he, he's sitting down here at 5,600 and his ceiling is a lot higher than where he is at 5,600. David Lipsky at 5,500 actually has legitimate history at this event, but um, kind of like Calum Terran, he is coming in with a very poor run of recent form. Martin Trainer is the last guy that I do want to highlight, though. Um, so he is kind of like the undisputed king of resort courses among, like, mediocre golfers. So what I mean by that is you look at his recent run of resort courses. He did miss the cut at this event last year, but he owns a T7 at Corrales, T11 at uh 2022 Mexico Open, T22 at Corrales again, and then a T15 at the Worldwide Technology Championship at El Cardinal. So you're looking at a guy who just really has a knack for putting it all together on these resort type courses because he is generally pretty long with his driver. He's generally pretty inaccurate with his driver, but that doesn't really matter here. Um, and he's generally pretty good at putting on past Palm. So at only $5,500, I'm definitely willing to take a chance on Martin Trainer. All right, now let's switch gears for just a little bit and let's talk one and done. So um, last week, I was a big proponent of taking Max Homa and Cameron Young, and that was just okay. Like, um, you know, I, I wish I would have pulled the trigger on Hideki or even Will Zalatoris, but hey, at least I got those guys to use in the future and I didn't really burn anybody that I wasn't looking forward to using down the road last week. So this week, to me, this all boils down to your personal philosophy on one and done. Like if you think about it, like in terms of like a football coach, right? Um, Mike McCarthy is like as conservative as it gets. And Dan Campbell is like as aggressive as it gets. If you are Mike McCarthy this week, you just simply play Tony Finau. If you are Dan Campbell, you look somewhere off the board and try to play somebody other than Tony Finau that has the legitimate upside to win this event. Here's what I mean by that metaphor. 
Tony Finau will likely never come into another event this season where he is the um, odds-on favorite to win. He will likely never come into another event this season where he is the best golfer in the field unequivocally, and he will likely not come into another course that fits his skill set better. So what that means is Tony Finau is the most logical one in Dunpick this week. He just is, like point blank. But if you want to play the game theory game, if you want to be aggressive, then you would be better served to not play Tony Finau, get different from everybody else, and hope that the guy you pick can beat Tony Finau. And so if you don't pick Finau this week also, I think that you'll end up with massive leverage down the road if you want to play him at Memorial Park where he's the defending champion, at the 3M Open where he has won before, or at Detroit Golf Club where he has won before. Or maybe you even want to get super freaky and use him at a major or a signature event. Like To me, that's what this, this one-and-done week boils down to is do you play Finau or do you not play Finau? I would err on the side of... It depends on your personal philosophy. I think I will be playing Finau in some of my one-and-dones this week, the ones where I'm closer to the top, the ones where I'm closer to the back of the pack. I'm probably going to be saving Finau for later. So if I am saving Finau, who would I go with? I think Nikolai Hoygaard makes an excellent choice. Um, you know, good history on resort courses, long driver of the golf ball, long good good with the long irons, a lot to like there. Um, I think that Thomas Dietrich makes a lot of sense, as we talked about. Um, I also think that Steven Yeager, um, Ryo Hisatsune, um, and Taylor Pendrith also make a ton of sense. Um, so if you're really looking to get off the board, um, there's a ton of guys that you can go with. I think that if I'm picking for this one where I'm already in this one and done, I'm not exactly in great shape. Um, I think I'm going to go ahead with, in this one and done, go with Taylor Pendrith, locking him in. Um, that is um, who my pick is going to be for this one and done that I've been picking here on the show. Um, I need to gain ground a little bit. I'm definitely in the back half. I am not close to cashing. So I need to try to gain ground on all the people that are going to pick Finau. And Pendrith might be a guy that I can do that with. All right. So that does it for this episode, guys. So we've successfully covered the course itself. Um, and the whole board and pretty much what you need to be looking for to target in your DFS lineups, betting slips, um, player props, as well as one and done. So hopefully I was able to give you guys plenty of good information. If you like what you saw here in this video, please hit the like button. It really does help me out a lot. And go ahead and subscribe to the channel. That way you can be with us for the rest of the PGA Tour season. And also you can get on all of our college basketball content that's out right now. And then all of our preseason fantasy football content that is going to be coming later on in the upcoming months. Um, so remember, if you do want more from me, follow me on twitter i'm more than happy to answer any questions on there and i do tweet out some updates for the show um join the fancy corner discord if you're looking for people to talk golf dfs golf betting or golf one and done with a, a lot of good people a lot of good discussion in the fancy corner discord and then you do have my full articles on the patreon patreon.com slash mike's money picks all right so let's go ahead and end the episode here guys you made it this far hopefully i gave you guys what you needed to pick some winners this week thank you guys for watching and listening to this point and i will see you guys next time